Welcome to the show. The Omnium Gatherum Music Podcast is designed to be an open conversation of all things musical. Each episode, your hosts put together a playlist of randomly selected songs to discuss for you to listen to and enjoy in your own time. Join Matt and I as we review, reminisce, and randomly run our mouths about whatever we want. And we want to hear from you, too. We'll have segments that include special guests and listener participation so the conversation never goes stale. Follow us on social media or pop by the website to learn how to be a part of the show. And now, let's get it on. Yeah, OGM Podcast, 145 in the AM. A couple of cock, three or four cocktails in. A couple of cocks in. Whatever. Cocktails. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be fun. Like, <laughs> this is going to be a good episode. We are going to take you back to a better time in a better when, place. In a better place when movies had excellent soundtracks. Yeah. We're going to talk about songs from soundtracks today. The soundtrack throwback episode, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. There's the applause. Off <laughs> <laughs> uh, to a good start. Yeah. So, uh,. We start this off with a banger, uh, Dick Dale's Miserloo, yeah, uh, which was obviously famous when he recorded it, but then made re-famous. It was given new life. Yeah. In the 90s. By a certain movie. Pulp. Pulp Fiction. Fiction. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent fucking movie, right? Oh I think. My, yeah. Uh, unforgettable. Pretty inarguably excellent movie. I think if you, as soon as you see that, even if you don't necessarily connect with it and love it or whatever, you're probably not going to forget that film. Yeah, it's definitely memorable. (laughs) For sure. Like most Tarantino films, I think that's probably his goal Mm -hmm. for most of his films. It's like, motherfuckers ain't going to forget me now. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to know. You don't learn today. So true. And uh, so Dick Dale, oh man, this man. Well, first, let's talk about the song itself. Miser Lou actually is a traditional Mediterranean song. Yeah. Is Dick. that actually how you pronounce it? I've never heard it like said out loud before. <laughs> uh, it's just always how I've heard it. Yeah. Any, I mean, it's not like. It's your the best only, guess. The only person I've heard say it is probably my buddy jd mm-hmm. and he's a guitar, he knows he's a guitar guru <laughs> uh, i'll go ahead and i just trust him bestow the title guru, <laughs> guru. upon <laughs> jd right now as of this moment it's official if he were here we would knight him <laughs> absolutely mm-hmm. sir jd yeah he's uh royalty within the ogm podcast family <laughs> so amen <laughs> <laughs> This uh, song dates back to the 20s in, in Greece, and the word roughly translates to Arab land. Arab land. Yeah. So I I just really, like, a lot of this is new information to me. Yeah, I would not have known that. Yeah. Because it's, it's surf rock, right? I mean, it's like... Well, Dick Dale's version of it, yeah. Yeah. He completely reworked it. <laughs> made it his own thing was it a popular song before that yeah like Like in in the united states or not in the u.s no Mm. no it was a traditional like greek greek song song. yeah okay i'm and i'm sure recorded by or not necessarily recorded by a lot of people but played uh throughout many different countries by local groups yeah Because it was a traditional song. It was passed down the line. Okay. Hmm. Gotcha. And then Dick Dale reclaimed it (laughs) with his own style. And, yeah, he really created surf rock. I mean, he. I I really think that's one of the few genres you can trace back to a certain individual. (laughs) Basically, I mean, he he was a surfer and he wanted to recreate the sound of uh the waves hmm. yeah just like this wall roaring just blah, yeah you know? <laughs> and that's why he needed more power in his amp right mm-hmm. yeah and just don't go loud enough to this day his show uh possibly one of the loudest i've ever heard definitely at a close 
in a close proximity because it was a small club. I'm so I'm so glad I got the. Yeah, when when and where did you fucking see Dick Dale? Oh man, it was um, in Indianapolis at uh, a little club. Um, crap, um, club crap. I love it. Let's book it. It was an indie. A little club. Is it still around? Yeah, um, and it's mostly uh, punk rock. But uh, he was, I think, 80, maybe 82 years old at the time. Wow. And had been performing since he was 18 years old. Get it, Dick. So, <laughs> That's excellent. He is now passed on, RIP. Right. Um, but the man obviously loved to perform and just did it almost his entire life. Um, he was a complete showman. Um, I've heard people who said that, seeing his show was like a religious experience for them, hmm. you know, just it, people who even didn't necessarily love going to live events. Like when he would perform, it was a different level. He, he could just connect with a crowd so easily. Like, yeah. That's a talent that not yeah. everybody has. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. He commanded the stage and his backup band was much younger Obviously, like people over the years weren't really able to <laughs> keep yeah. up with it, but uh, they they were a very uh, solid core. Um, uh, anyway, I, I'm just kind of waxing poetic <laughs> about the the I whole. Just love Dick Dale, yeah, and that was a great show. I'm yeah. sure uh, it was just it's so loud, yeah, so loud. So, except second maybe to seeing Motorhead. Yeah. But, which I think I've mentioned this before. <laughs> oh, yeah. But anyway. Motorhead's always fucking loud. <laughs> they were loud as fuck. I thought you told me one time that the loudest show you'd ever seen was actually the Foo Fighters. Was that you that told uh, me that? Actually, yeah. Okay, so yeah. It Foo was like uncomfortably loud, though, right? Yeah. Foo Fighters was very fucking loud, but not Motorhead loud. Not Motorhead loud? <laughs> okay, well, yeah. I guess you got to have some years under your belt yeah. to get Motorhead loud. <laughs> And then Lamb of God is also very fucking loud. Yeah. But it's it's so well balanced. Yeah. Which is what shocked me. Like, you know, when they start doing a sound check and it's like, boom, boom, boom. Mm-hmm. And they, like, made the drums louder. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> you're turning uh, it up. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah. But as soon as they started playing, it was locked in. Yeah perfection i like i i don't know that i've ever seen a show to this day where they just had it dialed in wait which one are we talking about now this was when i saw lamb of god uh, God. at waverly hills sanatorium oh yeah (laughs) we were just talking about how fucked up sounds of the underground that was a shit show (laughs) it was poorly executed but it was a good time all around so many people almost died that day. Yeah, heat exhaustion. It was really hot, and they didn't have enough water for people or enough shade. But uh, they eventually just stopped checking people's tickets and yeah, just let them go in. Just go, man. Because we were standing <laughs> in these long, like single file lines. Yeah, just in like the out to the highway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we saw some really good bands there. We, uh, Lamb of God was one of them, mm-hmm. and Guar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's always fun. Yeah, every time I die, I put on a good show. Yeah, I liked how they were like, uh, "We're not metal, but thanks for <laughs> yeah, but th- inviting thanks. us to this metal show. <laughs> thanks for having us." Yeah. <laughs> Actually, they uh, I remember the bass player being like, "You think my job is hard? This shit is so easy. Like, <laughs> I'll pull any one of you up on here on the yeah. stage, and you can do this song for me right now." And they did, and they pulled some random person <laughs> up there. He's like, "You ever played bass before?" The guy's like, "No." He's like, "All right, put your hand here, and then just slap this string." <laughs> That's it. That's what I, that's what I get paid it's for. Like, bullshit, man. I know you got a bass guitar in your basement. No. <laughs> Token, I know you play bass. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so we're talking about Miserloo and the, yeah. Dick Dale, the Dick Dale song Surf on the Pulp Rock. Fiction soundtrack. Yeah, Pulp Fiction, which brought that song back. Yeah, and it like it was perfect for the movie. Oh man, it was. Wasn't that the uh, the opening track? 
Isn't that how the movie starts? I don't know, my memory Dude, fails uh, me right yeah, now. Don't, uh, don't ask me to, to <laughs> recall information. It's been, it's been a while since we've seen Pulp Fiction. <laughs> but uh, I do remember that song sticking out and just like kind of setting the whole tone and the whole mood for the movie. It was, yeah, I mean, anytime I hear that song, I'm just pumped. I'm ready to go. Yeah. It was a pump up song. That's um, why we kind of started it out the uh playlist soundtrack throwback we wanted to, to start out strong and yeah get you going you know uh we i think for the most part avoided having too many downers on this list what's next superfly superfly and that is from the movie superfly superfly right? yeah <laughs> curtis uh, mayfield man didn't he uh, do the whole like the entire soundtrack yeah he composed you know did all the vocals a lot of the instrumental performances obviously he had to bring in a full band right to perform the whole thing but the guy was just next level creativity curtis you know. mayfield was the shit <laughs> so many hits so many good songs that whole soundtrack, I can just put it on, and I, I had a hard time picking a track off. Yeah, of it between too. like Superfly and Pusher Man, mm -hmm. Freddy's Dead, Freddy's Dead, yeah, <laughs> which was uh, um, parodied by South Park as Kenny's, Kenny's Dead, Dead. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> masterpiece, Chef Aid album. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of a soundtrack, I guess. Yeah, Chef Aid is sort of a soundtrack. It's like. Like none of those songs were actually in in the show. I know it's, it's such a weird thing that they did meta. side project where yeah, they real musicians doing imagined a fake concert yeah, like a festival yeah that didn't actually exist to save Chef right yeah <laughs> save Chef's house it's like <laughs> save Chef's uh, balls what was that Simpsons episode where he's like I'm Troy McClure. You may remember me from Save, Such films as Save Tony Orlando's house. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but I can't say enough about Curtis Mayfield that just I watched a performance of his recently and one of those people who you could tell like he could lay down on a couch with a microphone and still just record a solid gold just album. Just gold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, it also kind of in a similar vein, another one I, I chose, uh, Bobby Womack from the film Across 110th Street, the song. By the same name. The titular song, yeah. if you will. <laughs> I love that word, That's titular. <laughs> titular. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that was a, was a movie about pimping, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a... Pimping ain't easy. Well, I haven't actually seen the film. I, the song itself is so epic and beautiful, but it's about such a heavy yeah. subject matter of pimps just... Uh, exploiting weak women. It's, <laughs> yeah. oh man. It's a, it was a lifestyle back in the day. But then he, he's like, he also says, like, you can find it all in the street. Yeah. And there's something about how he ends it with that line where it almost feels, I don't know. It, 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 it's, it's like there's some hope maybe. Yeah. Like okay. of escape. Okay. Because they're trying to find someone who's weak, but hopefully they can get across the street. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that was a weak analogy. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I do want to watch that movie though, because I believe it's Gene Hackman and, uh, uh Hackman. <laughs> sorry. Couldn't help it. You'll never stop me. <laughs> and uh, Sydney Poitier. Sydney Poitier. If I'm not mistaken, let's look that one up. 
I love, uh, speaking of the song in general, I, I really love the strings in it. Um, I was way off. <laughs> None of those people are in the movie. Dude. <laughs> Let's consult the internet. Yeah. The internet is my auxiliary brain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, clearly we don't know this movie, but the song the jams. Song, God damn. <laughs> and it's also at the very opening of another Tarantino film. Jackie Brown. Oh yeah, Jackie Brown mm-hmm. opens with this song. Nice. And uh to me that's the most memorable moment of the whole film. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of Tarantino's <laughs> films <laughs> best moments are like right at the beginning. Right at the opening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, he knows how to open I don't and, know and, and end strong. Usually. Who his musical director was, but there's a lot of really good music in Tarantino films. Mm-hmm. Not always a lot of great dialogue. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. who gave him the pass to use the n-word i guess it was probably samuel l jackson yeah oh for <laughs> sure like yeah. gave him the official like, He's like you're yeah, fine you do it <laughs> nobody else can get away with that no <laughs> and that's that's really all we need to say on that <laughs> <Yeah>. next song <laughs> uh, another one from a tarantino girl you'll be a woman soon <laughs> Yeah, from another one from Pulp Fiction. Yeah, Urge Overkill. Um, it's uh, originally a Neil Diamond song. Is it? Neil Diamond. <laughs> I did not realize yeah, that. So I th- feel really dumb right now, but <laughs> I did not know that was a Neil Diamond. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Let man. me uh, check my auxiliary brain again. Yeah. Just to make sure I'm, I'm not picking <laughs> bullshit up. <laughs> Oh, man. Make sure you're not mixing up Neil Diamond no, and Neil Young. Yeah, Neil Diamond. <laughs> yeah, so Neil Diamond, I believe, I, well, not believe, uh, I I feel like is a maybe underrated songwriter. Okay. You know? Yeah. It, it, like, as far as, as a performer, you know, I'm sure you could, it, it, it just depends on your taste. Sure. You know? A lot of people could probably take it or leave it. Yeah. You know, all I know is I want to party with Neil Diamond. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you remember Saving Silverman? Oh, yeah. Speaking of movies. We're and, coming and, to America. And music and movies. <laughs> I fucking loved that. That they were like a Neil Diamond cover band. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was cool enough to just like, you know, make fun of himself. And yeah. His, he was his in the movie. Lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's not too good for that. Well, good on you, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Yeah, you wrote a good song there. And Urge Overkill uh, just made it iconic. They did such a good job with that cover. It's, I think, one of the cases where the cover has gotten more fame than the original. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it, it kind of took on a life of its own. Yeah. Do you think that was partially because of the movie? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was included in that movie, uh, I don't think it would have gotten the attention it did without that. Yeah, so speaking of, I actually put together uh, a short list of songs that uh, were like revitalized by movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and Miserloo is one of them. So these a lot of these songs are like written before the movie, not necessarily for the movie. Mm-hmm. And they may may or may not have been popular in their time, like when they were were released, but uh, were definitely like given new life through film. Like, because a perfectly placed song in a movie, there's something about it. It's just like yeah. it's powerful, you know, and yeah. like you just don't forget it. And I think one of the the so the first one I had on that list was the uh, Tiny Dancer <laughs> from Almost Famous. Nice. That's yeah. a great movie if you haven't seen it. Yeah, and it was a great moment in the movie too. It was like everyone was like just fucking sick of each other, you know. And they were like at the end of the or like maybe I don't know. They were on tour. They're on the tour bus, and everyone's like having their own issues. And then they were all able to like reconnect through, yeah. through this song, just through like enjoying this song and singing it together. And that was a great moment. Um, let's see what are some of the others on this list that were kind of revitalized by a movie uh the proclaimers song uh 10,000 miles yeah or, i would walk 
I forget what the actual math is, so but this guy would walk a long fucking way. Too long. Too far. <laughs> you can't walk that far. <laughs> when I wake up. <laughs> I mean, somebody could technically but, walk that far. Yeah. But, but you don't want to. No. He wouldn't. He probably He's wouldn't. Lying. He's a motherfucking liar. Yeah. <laughs> but that was in Benny in June. Benny in June? Yeah. Okay. Remember that movie? Uh, I know the title. I can't recall if I've actually seen it. It was that. Johnny Depp. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no no I, recollection I, of I Benny. I believe you. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny Depp. Uh speaking of later in the episode, I want to talk about um some actors turned musicians and their projects. Yeah, Johnny. Johnny Depp is, is one of them. He's a, a vampire, apparently. <laughs> Well, he's been hanging out with Marilyn Manson. Who knows? Oh, yeah. Um, so I just real, real quick want to go through these the rest of this list. Uh, Somebody to Love. Mm. I'm the cable guy. That was a great fucking scene. Yes. They're doing karaoke. Um, Where's My Mind by the Pixies? Mm. Fight Club. Oh, was man. Like the very end scene. The end of Fight Club. That and is, that was another uh, example of like a perfectly placed song that just yeah. like created like a brand new moment that was just mm-hmm. spectacular. Um. The, yeah, it it really felt like the movie became something else at that point. Yeah, you kind of got it. Like and, everything clicked. Mm-hmm. And then it like it it also made it feel like that the even though the movie ends pretty soon after that, mm-hmm. like it's it feels like it still goes on or something. Like you can imagine what's going to come next. Yeah, you're still yeah. thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, then the cover of um, shit. Tears for Fears, mm-hmm. Mad World, Mad World, yeah, yeah, um, where he slowed it down. It was Gary Jewell redid it. Um, I think it was Gary Jewell. Gary Jewell, yeah, that doesn't sound familiar at all. Okay, I'll let you look it up on <laughs> on the internet's. But uh, Michael Andrews, what? Hold on. Wait, Mad World, and what song? What movie was that? That was uh, Donnie Darko. Donnie Darko, right? Yeah, which also uh, just like a bunch of eighties, a, a bunch of really good like Tears for Fears. All around me are unfamiliar, unfamiliar musicians. Faces. <laughs> it says Gary Jules. I, I, I guess. I swear to God. But it also says Michael Andrews. What the? F- Nobody knows who Michael Andrews is. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's, that's somebody's cousin. Saying, it says Michael Andrews. <laughs> <laughs> or wait, was that the guy from? No, Hold he wasn't on. in Tears for Fears, was he? Hold on. What's going on here? Uh, we're just going to check our fact. Check our facts. We, we're just going to yeah, check our facts in real time. <laughs> Sorry, I got the shit re- mouth. He recorded it with Gary Jules. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> um, yeah, he's a instrumentalist. Oh, okay, so he must have been kind of... I think he helped produce and probably played some of the instruments but gary jules was the vocalist i think you're right yeah i <laughs> i know i'm right motherfucker it's fine we're <laughs> moving on <laughs> i love it uh you remember the movie risky business yeah what Tom song Cruise. do you think was made famous by that we're just gonna make this into a game i'm gonna tell you the movie and you tell me yeah the song when he was dancing in his underwear yeah it wasn't just his underwear, but yeah, he was in a t-shirt and underwear oh, yeah, and socks. Oh, yeah, he had on shirt, yeah. Isn't it like a button-down? Yeah. Yeah. But what's the song? Who cares what the <laughs> fuck he was wearing? Oh, if I remember the scene. Okay. Then it's... Dun, 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 dun. Yep. Right. You got it. <laughs> Take those old yep. records. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got it. Uh, what's the song? <laughs> uh, old time rocket. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Bye. <laughs> I'm gonna help you out. It's Bob Seger. Bob Seger's, Bob Seger's yeah. old time rock and I roll. I knew that. Which that was I mean, almost there. Silver Bullet Band. Silver Bullet Band. <laughs> How do you kill a werewolf? Silver Bullet. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um. Okay. Next we have Apocalypse Now. Yeah, dude. Um. Wagner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
the, totally the, brought the, back the Wagner. People were totally into Wagner after that. Yeah. <laughs> They're like right of the Valkyries yeah. all day. They were playing it on the radio and shit. <laughs> uh, no. Um, it's a, a door song. Love the smell of napalm in the morning. This is the end. Yes. This mm-hmm. is the end. That's just the end. Yeah. The stars. That is the beginning of the film. I remember the first time I watched it, the opening scene. And it just goes, this is the end. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Here we go. I'm like, oh, man. Um, what's in that? Kubrick? Mm-hmm. Stanley Kubrick. Genius. Genius. <laughs> You're starting at the end? Yeah. Fuck me. Wow. <laughs> is it going to be backwards? <laughs> Some Christopher Nolan shit. Sorry. <laughs> bad, bad. Bad, bad. Take that back. Anyway. Reverse it. Uh, next movie is Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. What song? More Tarantino. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, you're going to have to give me an uh, Steelers. And hint, please. Your hint is Steelers. Steelers. Nothing to the, do with uh, the football Pits- team. Pittsburgh. No, no, not the Pittsburgh Steelers, you <laughs> motherfucker. People who take things? Like, no, it's part of thieves. the name of the band. Oh. The Steelers. Steelers. They have Steel. a wheel. Steel wheel. Steelers wheel. Steelers stuck in the middle. Stuck in the middle with you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. We, we were played there. that. We did. We yeah. We covered that in the we whiskey covered riders. That. Wow. that was that was really fun. Yeah. That's a fun baseline for sure. And it was actually like really close to what was the other song that we covered at the time? Uh Rolling on the River. Mm. I remember Every time Johnny started playing it, I was like, which fucking song are you playing? <laughs> they have similar bass lines, I guess. Ding, yeah. ding, 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 ding. <laughs> it's like that's the beginning of both of them. Oh, that's so common in rock and blues, though. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, Ghost. The movie Ghost. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I just, I'm thinking of the famous, you know, the clay, clay scene. pot yeah. scene. Yeah. Will they get dirty in more than one way? <laughs> oh man, Swayze. All I can think about is Patrick Swayze right now. <laughs> Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Love you, Patrick Swayze. Um. Oh. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. Unchained melody. Yeah. Apparently. So, fun fact about that one: if you have a song stuck in your head earworm kind of thing Mm. uh one thing i've heard you can try is think of that song unchained melody or something similar that has a very long uh progression pattern very long uh chorus okay it won't stick in your mind as easily because it's not very not as quickly repetitive yeah it's very kind of slow and takes its time so takes more concentration to like mm-hmm. actually remember it okay yeah it doesn't necessarily get stuck in a loop as okay easily. that's a neat trick so if you have something stuck in your head just think of the isley brothers unchained melody <laughs> yeah. just jam some isley bros that'll tunes. fix it yeah yeah good to go and then the last one is probably the one of the most famous that's gonna be really easy wayne's world wayne's world <laughs> party time okay not it, wayne's world too yeah the head banging scene mm-hmm mm-hmm Queen. Queens. Bohemian, Bohemian Rhapsody. Rhapsody. Yes. <laughs> Woo, we did it. We did it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that scene was perfect. Um, I remember <laughs> watching that movie with my mom, and she was like, this is amazing. I love this. <laughs> this is cinematic genius. <laughs> <laughs> Just like. They're all driving in the Merv Mobile. Mm-hmm. Everyone just bangs their head at the same time. If yeah. you're going to spew, spew into this. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, man. God, I love those movies. Those oh, are so good. Man. Yeah. The second one is sort of a hidden gem in a way. Yeah. Just oh, due man. to all the cameos they got. Yeah. They brought in, um, oh, man. Uh, who? <laughs> Great. Thanks. Hold on. We'll cut around this. But 
the magic of editing. Yeah. This is all going to be in here, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm going to give you a moment to think about that because I really have to piss. These yeah. cocktails are really going through yeah, me. Yeah, they're I'll be back. Running their course. In two minutes. All right. <laughs> so much better. Yeah. Uh, Charlton Heston is the guy I was trying to think of. <laughs> we were talking about cameos in Wayne's World 2, right? Yep. And uh, it's an interesting scene where they start out with some other um, just bit actor. Yes. And, and then it gets like, better and better. It's like, is this all we can afford? Yeah. Can we really get somebody else in here? <laughs> uh, and then. Because he was rushing to the wedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of musical cameos in that movie, too. Yeah. Um, I remember Aerosmith. Yeah, Aerosmith did uh, Shut Up and Dance in the last scene. Mm. Um, Rip Taylor, <laughs> Pearl Jam, Van Halen. That was a great movie. R.I.P. Eddie. <laughs> Who? Eddie Van Halen. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. We also said Pearl Jam, the so main I was guy. like, wait oh. a minute. <laughs> oh, better. No, no, no. <laughs> He's still alive. Uh, yeah. And sh- by the way, check out the song Me and Eddie Vedder by the Rugburns. Yeah. Because uh, I Want to Die Wasted. <laughs> Who doesn't? In a room with Eddie Vedder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So enough of that digression. Yeah. What else? What are we talking about now? <laughs> we should probably get back to the playlist. Go back to the playlist? All right. Then we uh, okay. Against all odds, Um, another titular track. Titular track. Another. So Phil Collins is tough. (laughs) Phil Collins is tough. I love Phil Collins. Tough in the sense that so some people may not realize that tough used to be kind of like the slang term. At the time, for badass, yeah, like cool and just like the one who was hip and like with it and just the thing at the time. That's just tough. That's tough. Okay, yeah. Now, if you say it, it just sounds like oh, he's he's strong. strong? He doesn't look strong. (laughs) Tasty little British guy. (laughs) (laughs) Plays drums though, so but he can play the drums and he can sing at the same time, and I respect Mm. anyone who can do that. That. That's a skill. That's not fucking easy. I've been trying for a very long time. The pro- the problem is you have to fail for so long before you get like a little tiny nugget of success in it that you're like, okay, maybe I can do this. Mm. So before that, it's just like, this is impossible. I well, can't do this. And if you think about it, he was the drummer in Genesis, Genesis yeah. for a, a long time before he had to take over lead singing right. duties. <laughs> After Peter I think that they struggled that, with so. that decision for a minute too, didn't they? Yeah, they weren't. I think necessarily sure. Well, because Mike Rutherford was also in the band, mm-hmm. and he went on to form Mike and the Mechanics. Yeah. Oh um, man, <laughs> Mike and the Mechanics. Yeah. I feel really old <laughs> <laughs> referencing Mike and the Mechanics. Yeah. Especially that song. What was it uh, in the Living Years? Living Years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That song still gets me. I'm not ashamed to say that that song still makes me cry sometimes. That song is very emotional. Yeah. You, if Say it. Tell someone you love them while Just they're still alive. Say it. Yeah. <laughs> Basically is, the, is the, the message to that song. It's mm-hmm. very poignant. Yeah. Um, the track in question, though, Against All Odds, mm-hmm. um, like I said, that I, I don't think the film by the same name is quite as well-known. No, a lot of people don't even know that it is a film. Right. It's just like, oh, it's the Phil Collins song. But it was actually written for the movie, right? Yeah. And uh, Jeff Bridges starred in the movie. Um, Who else was it? Who's the female lead in that? I feel like it was like Demi Moore or something. Um, but not, no, I know not, that it, right. it's a, the film is actually a remake of a 40s film. Rachel Ward. Rachel Ward. Who's yeah. not as much of a household name as, as she once was. So. Yeah, I can't, in, I couldn't really tell you off the top of my head anything else that she In the had. 80s, she was much more well known. Out of the Past was the name of the original film. And that mm. came out in 
47, I want to say. Yeah, 1947. So, a lot of movies have been remade, obviously, and with varying success. I can't really speak to the merits of this film. I think it's just sort of mediocre. Yeah. So, I'm looking through the the plot real quick here on Wikipedia. And, uh, it's basically, it says having been cut from this, from his professional football team, down and out athlete, Terry Brogan, which is a very athlete name, mm. uh, which is Jeff Bridges is in desperate need of money. Uh, crooked nightclub owner and bookie Jake wise, James Woods. He plays a really good crooked character. Doesn't he? For sure. <laughs> Offers Terry a hefty sum to go to Mexico and find his girlfriend, Jesse Weiler. Rachel Ward. Terry cannot turn down the offer because he's fucking broke. Uh, when Terry locates Jesse, the two fall in love. See, of course. Like, the, just the description sounds like a movie from the 40s. Yeah. So if you were watching it in the 80s, you're probably thinking, like, what is this? What the hell's going on? <laughs> but it also kind of sounds like a movie, like a, a movie plot from the 80s. Well, I feel like there's been a few movies like that where, like, hey, I need you to go get my girl. <laughs> and then they fall in love. <laughs> Oh man, that's what a trite, <laughs> what, a, what a trite plot line. Come on, come on. You can do better than that. Rachel Ward, though. Um, what uh, else was she in? The Thornbirds. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like some '80s stuff or early '90s. Yeah, that. Horror, so, the horror film Night School. <laughs> that sounds cool. Yeah. I actually want to watch that. I'll add that Put to Put that the- on the list. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but the song, Against mm-hmm. All Odds. Totally it's different. actually one of his hits, mm-hmm. which surprises me because the movie didn't get that much traction. No, like, but the, the film, it's, or the song, was uh, nominated for several awards. Yeah. Not surprised. Uh, including... An Oscar didn't actually win, but but it's nice to be nominated. Mm-hmm. Some <laughs> recognition there. It's all a political process. <laughs> right. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. All those awards ceremonies and yeah, yeah. It's it is what it is. That is okay. Let's talk about that phrase real quick because <laughs> I fucking hate that. It that is, is my least is. favorite phrase in the English language because, of course, it is. That's like saying yeah. water is wet. Well, I think <laughs> it's just a way to sort of dismiss something without. It's a way to say something when you have nothing to say. Getting into it. It's well, completely filler <laughs> language. Yeah. And I fucking hate it when people say, well, it is what it is. Like, you could have just shut your mouth. <laughs> oh. But okay. I'm taking less energy to say nothing than to say it is what it is. It is nothing. <laughs> there you go. I like that better. It is nothing. It is nothing. Everything is everything. It doesn't. <laughs> matter <laughs> next song next song <laughs> mr big stuff gene knight i believe that was in the movie high fidelity mm. um and that was another great soundtrack because it was a movie about like music snobs you know exactly. people who were just like who, this guy ran a record store and just was a, a musical was elitist obsessed with making the best playlist the top yeah. five or whatever yeah that's why i was a top five records in the end but uh i really enjoyed that movie and i really enjoyed the soundtrack and all their musical references and this Mm -hmm. is just like a classic old song that everybody knows and loves it's got so much attitude and and soul and yeah it really just complimented the movie well i just i just kind of randomly picked it out of there because it was there was a lot of songs on there that were just all over the place Mm mm-hmm you know, you had like the stiff little fingers, which they referenced was like the precursor to Green Day and, and bands like that. Mm. Um, but everyone knows this song, so oh yeah. I just wanted to like throw something on the list that was like uplifting. Yes, kind of a mood lifter. It's definitely a feel good song. Yeah. Um, of course you got at the end of the film, Jack Black singing "Let's Get It On." Yeah, it would. Uh, what was the the band name they settled on at the end? Uh, Barry Jive and the Uptown Five. <laughs> yeah. 
was well, uh, before that it was Kathleen Turner Overkill. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love that movie so much. I love Jack Black. I love John Cusack. Yeah. If you haven't seen High Fidelity, check it out. Do yourself. It's also based. I mean, uh, ad- adapted from a novel, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which had completely different references as far as like music goes, because mm-hmm. you know there's the same plot. It was somebody who was like a musical elitist, but like isn't the uh, the author British? Yeah, it's like I feel like Nick Hornsby. Yeah, Nick Hornby. Hornby, I was not, close. Not Bruce Hornsby. Not Bruce Hornsby, range. who I also fucking love. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but Nick Hornby. Yeah. It is British. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting when they adapted it from the novel to the movie that they had to pick, like, different music for references. Mm-hmm. Lisa Bonet is in that film. Yeah, she is. Yes. She can get it. <laughs> Still. Is she uh, married to Letty Kravitz? Or no, that was... Not anymore. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah, they got divorced. It ain't over till it's over. <laughs> I believe he wrote that song after yeah. breaking up with her. It's a great song. It, yeah. Just the diamond in the rough there. Um, I'm trying to remember the, what was the name of the movie that his daughter was, or not movie, but TV show, recent TV series. Whose daughter was in? Lenny Kravitz's daughter was in. Was it High Fidelity? I'm, I'm trying to remember, like, because they made a series out of High Fidelity. Yeah, was it a... I couldn't remember who's the exact adaptation of it. Yeah, High Fidelity. It was just... Must have been the very beginning of 2020, because... Yeah, it's very new. Yeah. I have. I still haven't seen it. I've wanted to, but... it's. I liked it. Um, it didn't get picked up for another season, though. So just one season? Yeah. Mm. I don't know if there's going to... Maybe with things now starting to kind of turn a corner with COVID that yeah, I don't, maybe they'll be able to pick it up again. It didn't sound like it was going to happen though. Cause it was a Hulu original mm. and um, I mean, Zoe Kravitz was the highlight. I mean, obviously she's the star, but she really. So you actually watched the show then? Yeah. What, what, uh, who is her character in relation to any of the characters in the movie? Is it related? I don't Or think is it, it just totally different? I think it's just kind of a new interpretation. Like a retelling? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, modern day. They modernized, modernized it mm-hmm. a little bit. They tatatified it. <laughs> today <to> it. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um. High fidelity. I, there was someone else in that series who was really cool, and I don't know the actress's name. Um, Divine Joy Randolph as the character Charisse. Hmm. Okay, she, she was also a standout. Standout um, performer. Mm-hmm. And then Parker Posey has to make a cameo in anything New York based. Yeah. So, but that's fine. I. <laughs> Absolutely happy love to see Parker Posey. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she's hilarious, right? I loved her in all the the Christopher Guest films. Oh, for sure, those were so best funny. in show. The fucking busy bee. <laughs> don't, don't look at the fat ass losers. Look at me. <laughs> best in show was hilarious. My goodness, I love movies so much. Yeah, I grew, I mean, I don't know about you, but I kind of grew up with movies and TV, mm-hmm. and that yeah. was like I was raised by TV. Yeah. And who says you can't learn anything from movies and TV? Because I did. Mm-hmm. I learned. I learned how to be who I am today from <laughs> watching these fictional characters and these fictional stories. But like, still being able to relate them to life. You know, I wasn't like that disconnected. That like, I believed that this was real. Mm. You know, there's still a. But to be able to like suspend your disbelief mm-hmm. is the important part. To like put yourself in the magic of the movie. Or like in the just in the movie, I feel like one of the great aspects of growing up at the in the time that we did, you know, mm-hmm. being children of the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, not to date ourselves too much here, but <laughs> eighty three right here. 
Same. I'm proud. Same year. Proud Same. of it. Vintage. <laughs> Vintage. It's a good year. Uh, you know, it, at that time, television, uh, it, it was kind of a, a golden era where you, you didn't know what was going to be on next a lot of times. Like yeah. something, some movie you'd never even heard of would just come on. Yeah. You'd give it a shot, you know? And that, I mean, that carried over into the nineties too. Mm-hmm. And the nineties were, were real wild. And I think that like really you and I being bored in 83, weren't really like actually consuming media until about the nineties, early nineties, like seven, yeah, yeah, yeah. eight years old. You know, I, I remember in elementary school hearing about, um, Kurt Cobain's death. Yeah. You know, and just being like, Oh wow. I wish I had been paying more attention yeah. already, but like everyone's so sad. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. And then there was just so much, uh, great music at that time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so much cool pop culture stuff that people are really nostalgic for. It's coming back this. around, isn't it? Yeah. Even it's interesting how, I'll meet people who are like 10 years younger than me and they seem to be nostalgic for it, even though they didn't grow up with it. Yeah. Like the eighties and nineties rocked. Mm-hmm. What the fuck you know about it? <laughs> <laughs> you were born in 2000. <laughs> yeah. Kids, kids these days, but that was like the golden era of movie soundtracks. I feel like the eighties and the nineties, mm-hmm. like that was where some of the best, movie soundtracks came out of and i don't know what exactly happened in the in the the movie industry or the music industry uh or what happened between them to like kind of shift away from that mm-hmm. but and i'm not saying that there hasn't been any good soundtracks since the 80s or 90s of course that's that's you know that's yeah. ridiculous to say but uh the majority of them that stand out in my mind for me and maybe it's just because that's when i grew up but the majority of them came out of the 80s and 90s. Well, yeah, in the more recent times, you got, you know, the Guardians of the Galaxy, but those are all throwback yeah, songs. Yeah, all the songs from that are like, they're retro as hell. Mm-hmm. 70s, mostly. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, uh, Trent Reznor has gone on to mostly put out um, soundtrack like work. scores. Yeah, scores. Mm-hmm. Uh, which and are, they're amazing. Yeah. But it's kind of a different sort of thing where he's, it's not so much like he's trying to make individual hits or songs. Singles. It's, it's more of a, yeah. a full album experience. Right. And it's actually meant to be like accompanied with what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Like it, it builds emotion based on what you've seen and what you've heard. And yeah, mm-hmm. he's really good at that. I know that yeah. him and Atticus Ross have been doing a lot of scores and a lot of uh instrumental stuff so in a way soundtracks have almost kind of reverted back to what they originally did in movies for the most part was just be an accompaniment to right the story and not when we when i thought about doing this episode i did a little bit of research and one of the main reasons that they needed someone to play music during like the old silent films and stuff not only was to keep the audience engaged with what was happening on the screen but to cover up the noise of the fucking projector because it was so loud yeah yeah. so they had like someone just like a pianist down front you know Mm -hmm. and they would play these cue cards or off these like uh these cue cards or forget what they're actually called but it was like if something sad is happening you play this music Mm Something happening, something happy is play is is happening. Then you play this music, and then it like kind of progressed from there. So recently, I went out to the Skyline Drive-In Theater out in Shelbyville, Indiana. Okay. So, shout out to the Skyline if anybody ever is in the Shelbyville area. Shelbyville on the map. <laughs> Check them out. Um, you know, going to a drive-in movie if you've ever had that experience or not, then. It's awesome. You should try it. it. Recently, they did a night where it was uh, two old films from the 20s, silent oh. films, but they had an organist accompany them. Like movies. live? Well, yeah, he had 
sampled an organ and then put it onto his keyboard. Okay. Um, so he was playing a, just a keyboard, not a live, not like a real organ, but right. He but he was playing have, like live as the movie was happening. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was impressive. He knew his stuff. Like it was spot on. Especially the first film was Nosferatu. Yeah. And it's classic. Uh, yeah, man, that's it was fun and just kind of creepy and that character just looms throughout the film and yeah the music that accompanies it is so perfect and then the second film was still fun but not it was kind of a letdown from that because hmm. phantom of the opera um oh it's an interesting production like uh not a lot really happens throughout that movie it's kind of weird how they they're able to stretch out not very much happening yeah but i was never a big fan of phantom the, i'm gonna catch a lot of shit for that Mike. <laughs> i think the coolest scene though is when the chandelier falls um in the middle of a performance and like the entire audience has to run and, and you kind of get the feeling like i think people were actually hurt when they filmed it. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like a true stampede. No humans were harmed in the film. Wait, actually, no, we can't say that. Yeah, they had no disclaimers at the end of that movie. People got hurt. Hey, uh, we did what we did. We said what we said. You're going to love it. It was the 20s. Yeah. You know, roaring. Fuck it. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's G. I'm just popping in to let you know that Matt and I had such a good time with this episode, and the, the topic is so expansive, and there's so much to talk about. We got a little bit carried away and lost track of time. So if you'd like to hear more, uh, just check us out in the next episode, episode five. We're going to continue this topic of uh, soundtrack throwback. Anyway, thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Peace. Peace.